episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Marco, with my lovely co-host, Jessica. How's it going, Jessica? Going well. How are you, Marco? I'm all right. Great. Hanging in there. Yeah, me too. Week's almost done. It's 4th of July week. 4th of July weekend. Trying to wrap up all the work so we can enjoy the weekend. 4th of July is on a Saturday this year. Woo! It's going to be great. No big fireworks displays, at least for the big public ones, but... Nope. We're lucky because in our neighborhood, we've got somebody who lives next neighborhood over. Something maybe one like of the that. farms out there. Our neighborhood is kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. It's just suddenly there's a neighborhood. And then around it, there's farms and fields. a few other little neighborhoods. Somebody over the tree line mm-hmm. launches off a fireworks display that's better than most of the local municipalities. Yes. It's every amazing. year. Like we moved here and like kid one comes out of our room going, my room's lighting up. We're like, what do you mean? Like, is there something weird with the wiring in this house or what? And then we go out and it's a fireworks display and it was an impressive one. And it then was, it was actually better than the one that we had been to a few hours earlier. And it was only a couple of years more. And then we just gave up on going to the local yeah. one done at the fire department or trying to go to the ones downtown over Lake Michigan. It's like, why wouldn't we just sit in our front steps and watch it a better display, a longer display. I don't know how much money this guy or gal or whoever is shooting these off, but it's... I'm guessing a lot. A lot. it's a pretty impressive show. They do a great job. So that's the plan this year is stay at home because everybody else has shut down their fireworks displays. It's true. We'll do a movie outside in the yard and whenever... so much fun? My parents are asking, like, what time does he start? I'm like... When it's dark. When he gets drunk enough to light stuff on fire and make it go boom. I don't know. It just it just happens. And sometimes it's on the third. And sometimes it's on the fourth. Sometimes it's on the fifth. Sometimes it's all of the above. Sometimes it's the fourth and he's got leftovers on the fifth. I'm guessing since 4th of July is on a Saturday, it will be on the fourth. I assume so. We'll do a movie outside. When he starts shooting stuff off, we'll pause the movie and just turn around and watch it. That's right. I'm super excited. They need to go on a beer run or something. We will restart the movie. Yeah. That'd be great. But before we get into those festivities, we need to record a podcast. Yes, we do. So like last week, we will be updating the Red Arrow Challenge at the end of this episode. I think that's So best. that we can dive into everything else. I think that's going to be the new normal mm-hmm. for our podcast, to borrow a phrase that everyone's sick of. <laughs> so what's that linger on that? Let's get into We had a big milestone this last week. We did. We hit our 300th download this past Sunday, which I, look, if you are a big podcast out there, if you're a podcaster who's been doing this long time, you're like, 300, that's nothing. Look, it's a big deal to us. It's a huge We honestly deal started this going, you know, the primary reason was, well, we want to share information, but we honestly thought like, you know what, if it's a chance for us to converse with each other mm-hmm. without having to listen to SpongeBob or whatever else they're playing. <laughs> uh, Blue's Clues right oh, now. Oh, it's, it's a victory. And if we get a few listeners, great. So 300 listeners in two months, that's a big deal for us. And then, uh, Jess, I just looked at the numbers before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at 375. Yay, that's so exciting. Uh, we're, we'll probably hit 400 tomorrow or this weekend. Definitely by the time this episode posts at the rate we're going, that's awesome. we're going to hit 400. So, wow. Thank you. Um, Thank you to everybody who listens, subscribes, downloads, or clicks on us by accident. <laughs> Whatever. We appreciate you. I think it's worth a cheer. So, Jess, what are you drinking? I am drinking something that I actually found in a book. It's in the book. It's called... What was the book? <laughs> All right. 
Uh, this drink has a lot of tequila in it, but sorry. Um, the book is called I'm Just Here for the Drinks. Appropriate. And it's a wonderful book about mixed drinks. It has all different kinds, and it's a, honestly, it's a fantastic book. And if I could remember the author, I would tell you right now. Well written. Very nice well written. Nice little history and stories about all of them. Movie so anyways, references. The book, uh, the drink is called The Seventh Planet, a.k.a. The Puck Uranus. Um, That's a nice hockey tie-in, I think. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's blue, so that is basically what caught my attention. And I was like, oh, I think I can sort of modify that to fit for me, for the things that we have on hand. So, and I did modify it. Um, my, my version of it has two ounces of lime juice, an ounce of triple sec, four ounces of tequila, and it's topped off with a little Moscato de Asti. And then a lime for garnish. So the reason it's blue is because I added food coloring because it's supposed to have blue curacao in it, but we don't have any of that on hand. And I really wanted it for it to be blue. So I put in, this one is super dark. I put in like six drops of blue food dye and that is too much. Yeah, it looks like you put about six Smurfs in there on in the blender. And then I rounded them up. Yeah. Yum, yum. You can call me Gargamel. Oh, old reference. <laughs> Actually, well, no, they've made movies. They've made movies. Tank of areas in one of them. That's true. Marco, what are you drinking? Well, mine is not blue. Unfortunate. Mine is not artificially colored. <laughs> Mine's organic. Ooh. Mine is kosher. Mine is from Journeyman. It is a whiskey. Yum. I'm having a buggy whip wheat whiskey, uh, which is my favorite from uh, Journeyman. They make, look, they make a lot that I like. I always seem to come back to this one. This is my favorite. Uh, and I'm having it just on with one big ice cube. Awesome. Are we sponsored by the Smurfs? We are not. Journeyman. No. The unnamed tequila that you used. Nope. No. Do we enjoy all of that? We do. All right. Cheers. Cheers to the drinks. Cheers to the 375 and counting downloads. Great. Great. That was a good cheers. Yeah, it was. So to do our week recap, we did kid meal again this week. And this week, the kids opted for a fish fry. I was pretty surprised by this because they're not huge on fish. But you, not usually. You took kid number one to the grocery store and you were looking and she said, yeah, let's do fried perch. So. Well, first she wanted to go perch fishing to catch it. I'm like, um, <laughs> that's not guaranteed. You know, fishing and catching aren't the same thing. They are not. If only. So kid number one made fried lake perch and she crusted it in cornmeal and spices, especially smoked paprika. And then, she thought about doing the Cajun spices and then backed off of that and just went more with smoked paprika. That would have been amazing. Yeah, it would. And then our perch was crusted in ground chicharrones with Old chicharrones. Bay chicharrones. If you're not familiar with chicharrones, it's pork rinds. Pork rinds. And they're really good. Um, you can roll so your R much better. Than our perch can. was crusted in ground chicharrones with, mixed in with Old Bay. And oh my God, it's so good. Um, kid number two made fried mozzarella sticks, and those were crusted in ground chicharrones as well, mixed with Italian seasoning. Separate Ziploc bag when he did the tossing. Yes. We didn't toss it with the fish. We did not. And, they, and, and the uh, the mozzarella sticks really were just the pull and peel uh, same cheese yeah, sticks cheese they sticks. use for their lunches. Mm -hmm. And these were insanely good. 
I think I ate three or four of when them. When you brought them out, and Kid One and I were babysitting the fryer, and mm-hmm. she was doing all the work out there, it didn't have the heavy crusting to create the whole outside. I'm like, these things are just going to like turn into a puddle in the yeah, fryer. That's what I expected. But too. because they were so fridge, so cold out of the fridge and like the directions actually said, put them in the freezer. I'm like, well, that's insane. <laughs> all it's going to do is drop the temperature of the oil and it'll never work right. But they were cold enough that they held their shape when they came out, even though they just had a, like a spattering of the chicharrones on the outside. They make it crunchy and the Italian herbs stuck to it mm-hmm. and they were great. Actually, much lighter than a fully breaded normal mozzarella stick from a restaurant. Absolutely. But still had those same flavors. Yep. Kids snarfed them down. Now, they weren't, like, super stretchy like you get at a restaurant. When you bite into it and then the cheese stretches out, you know? Well, if we had a a thicker coating. Hmm. And I did find some other recipes, low-carb recipes, that we could have used. We get that thicker coating, which gives it time for the internal cheese to become molten. But they were soft. They were yummy. The flavors were there. The textures were there. Awesome. I thought they were success. And the fact that they all disappeared, too. Yeah. Not one was left, and that was great. And we did 16 16 for Mm -hmm. the six of us. Yep. Kid number three made a veggie salad. It was so pretty. He chopped up radishes, red onions, an orange bell pepper, cucumbers, and tomatoes. And he took time, and he arranged them all on a little platter. And it it was a very pretty little rainbow of vegetables he's very, very visually pleasing tasted good too mm-hmm. and kid number four our three-year-old made lemonade from a can from a can frozen can <laughs> she was very proud of herself she did all of the stirring mm-hmm. proud of her too she had to measure how much water to put in which involves counting yep how many cans of water to put in yep but she got to make something that's the important part she's contributing just like the big kids that's are right. she's big and she can help too and that is exactly what we're trying to teach her yes yeah. So, and the lemonade came in handy because, oh dear Lord, it's been hot this week. And so the kids just went to town on that lemonade. Kid One and I are still running together every morning, but Kid One, the one who, if left undisturbed, will sleep till noon. And we usually have to wake up and like, look, it, it's 10, it's 10.30, get up. Surprising because she's only 10 and a half. Yeah. I didn't start doing that until I was, I don't know, 13? So we went Monday, and it was so hot, and she was so miserable, she asked if we could start running earlier when it was cooler out. Like, you you know what this means, right? (laughs) You're getting up before 7 a.m. so we can get this run in. And we've been doing that. It's been great. Uh, Today we went, and we did a 5K version of the two-mile run we've been doing. She's still doing that without walking. That's amazing. trying to improve the time, although Monday was probably the worst route or run around that route. Because it was so hot. But now that we've been going when it's cooler, she went two and a half miles today without walking. I cannot. And then she walked that. about 100 meters. And then we finished the run. And because we took some other detours, the 5K actually got stretched into a three and a half mile run. Wow. So she walked 100 meters of a three and a half mile run. Now, we didn't go super fast. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of me jogging in place like, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, and she finished. I even got a phone call from my father tonight because I put up a picture of... Uh, her post run and she's she's fair skinned she got a sunburn yesterday from laying around the pool and then she just finished a three and a half mile run so she's bright pink red and she's wearing a bright pink shirt that's reflecting on her face he's like oh is she okay I'm like well okay first off dad that photo was taken at before 9 a.m so if she was and we'd probably be in the hospital right now <laughs> getting her checked out yeah she's fine 
And she went on. She did her goalie stuff. She did all sorts of stuff today. But what she hasn't been doing, and what we haven't been doing a lot with all this heat, is we have not been out on our bikes. Because no. if that, like running, is something you want to do early in the morning. And we've been opting for the running because we're trying to get her ready for cross country. So mm-hmm. it hasn't been uh, any biking going on out of us. But there sure has been a lot of swimming going Lots on. Lots of swimming. Lots of swimming going on. So that's been fun. And Kid, hey, kid three is getting to the bottom of the deep end now. It's this a, is such a big yes. deal. He's like afraid of the water. And well, so he was. For him, no, he's still a little nervous. For him to get in without his floaty and to like swim down to the bottom of the pool is a humongous deal. Maybe for him. And to jump off the side of the pool with his big brother and sister is huge. Yes. Marco and kid number three got haircuts this week. We did. We, you know. I was talking to the barber, too. Like, hey, has it been busy? And he's like, well, we were swamped at first. And now it's starting to calm down. Like, that was the plan. (laughs) Let all those people who are rushing to go get a haircut in there, those who absolutely need one and work with the public right away, and those of us who work virtually, yeah, we can wait a couple weeks. And we did. Yeah. Walked right in. Kid uh, kid 3 and I got haircuts. In, out. Made sure to tip them well because we appreciate them. They couldn't do anything while this whole mess was going on. Yep, and now Happy they're, they're back. Out. Happy they're still in business. Yes. They um, did a great job on both of us. I agree. You're very handsome now. Both of you. Kid number one and kid number four are waiting until closer to the start of school to get their hair cut. And kid number two is embracing his inner hippie. Yeah, he is. He's letting his hair grow long. And they're... Just so you know... There's no attempt at a man bun yet. No, but he's you know he doesn't want the haircut. Um, most of the time he's not wearing a shirt. No, it's just like shorts. Goes outside and he's either barefoot or he's in flip flops. <laughs> shorts, sandals, or barefoot outside. He no looks shirts. Like a year old beach bum. He does, especially <laughs> since he keeps getting tall. He's gonna need a headband soon though. His hair's very long. It's pretty thick, so it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have quite the tan lines when he goes back to It'll school. It'll be impressive. Speaking of school, uh, we're moving that way. The state put out a bunch of recommendations for how school goes. Things are opening back up, but it's not fully open. We kind of like the the wave of openings have kind of slowed. We're anticipating a lot of stuff. The next round of openings happening right now, and it's going to be at least another week. Well, the numbers, COVID numbers, the numbers are, are elsewhere. Yeah. And I think she's just trying to take things really slow to keep everybody including, safe, including including in Lansing. So, like, pretty much. At our front doorstep. Well. Well, when everyone's going to the, getting COVID at the same bar in Lansing. Way to go, go. Michigan State. Thanks. This is why we can't have nice things like this hockey. This is why we cannot have nice things. So more of our races and events that we were looking forward to are going virtual or being outright canceled. We had talked about some of this earlier when we talked about virtual racing. Mm-hmm. But another wave came in this week. You know, so it's just kind of like. Wait, it was a heartbreaking week. Day after day of heartbreaking news, heartbreaking news, heartbreaking news. Among the heartbreaking news, uh, Apple Cider Century, which is down in Three Oaks, Michigan, has been going on for 40-some years. And it's a variety of bicycle rides all the way up to the full century, which is 100 miles, has been pushed off to 2021. And mainly out of precautions for all the volunteers, and they have a ton of volunteers. They do. It's impressive. They have support stops and support people out in trucks checking on people because they, they cap it at 5,000 riders. So that has been pushed off. Your triathlon, you're waiting for, it was going to be girls weekend, going yeah. to Naperville, a sprint triathlon in Naperville, Illinois. Naperville was explicitly shut down this morning. 
Oh, explicitly? That, no. Officially. Officially, that's the word. That is good tequila, it, isn't it? It is. This will be fun. Naperville was officially shut down this morning. I knew it was How coming. How do you feel? How do I feel about that? I'm super sad because, honestly, that was my last race that I had on the books, and so it was sort of helping me stay motivated to exercise, and now it's been yanked away. Well, you came home with a pile of medals last year. Those were thick, heavy medals, too. Right. It's Big a, ones. It's a really well-run race. And the swag is really great. So it, it was Because nice. you got like your I finisher was... medal and you got third place in your age group, which was so. everybody under 40 and you're in Aquabikes. I, I don't remember. Well, you were going to do the full triathlon this year for that one. It's going to be my very first full, like, actual triathlon. Not a, not a Kai Tri, but an actual triathlon. So I was super geeked about that. So um, it was a little bit longer where you've got a type of race I've done that you haven't. Right. It's okay. Um, I'll do it next year. Everybody's registration um, is going to be applied to next year. We have to, they're going to send out a link to re-register in a couple of weeks. So I'll do that for sure. But right now I'm working on talking and talking a bunch of my friends into signing up with me for next year's. They should do that, and they should come with us to the UP for the uh, Mish experience, the Mish X Kai Tri. Yeah. That was so much fun. It was a good time. That's, I think that is currently my favorite race, that I, at least the one I'm most looking forward to in 2021 and probably most heartbroken about with 2020. I understand. Oh, yeah. They made the correct, the prudent, responsible decision this year. I'm still heartbroken. Yeah. It, but I, I hope mean, it's a fun if they are among to. the listeners, I hope they understand why I'm heartbroken. It's because they did such a good job and it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And Upper Hand Brewery did a great job sponsoring and handed out lots of yummy beers at the finish line. Look, there are a lot of great brewers out there who make a lot of fine products, but to have that product balance well with post-triathlon. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, aside from the races, though, restaurants are kind of open, which is nice. Uh, They have limited seating. Gyms, fitness centers, and ice rinks are still closed in Michigan, which means no tech window for the kids yet. Yep. Which is driving Grandpa nuts because he runs the Taekwondo school. Mm-hmm. And no hockey yet. I want to go play hockey so bad. The kids want to go play hockey. Uh, I want to go to the skating rink because it is wonderfully cold in there. And as commissioner, I'm still getting emails from people who don't understand geography. I, I Seriously. Well, I saw a tournament was going on at this rink. I'm like, that one's in Indiana. What about that rink? <laughs> that one's in a different state. What about this one? That one's in Florida. <laughs> this is Michigan, and the rinks aren't open. Oh, I saw a picture at this rink in Michigan. Somebody was doing something. If you want to rent the full ice for you and your kids, some rink owners will let you. But if you're doing USA Hockey and your state is still officially closed, you can't. So in the case of our league, our rink, local rink owner is being very responsible for anything that's USA Hockey. He's a body by the full rules. And I love him for that. I'm um, so happy he's taking it seriously. Yes. Now, if I wanted to run out the entire building and pay for all the cleaning and was going to keep it at just you, me, and our children, he would rent me the building. I don't have that kind of cash. i got to send four kids to college. <laughs> I'm sure he would still love it, though, because he's got to send four kids to college. Exactly. <laughs> it's all right. I think he's making enough money off of our family. He for sure is. We'll be back with him soon enough, hopefully. Please, people, stop being stupid. Put on your masks. Be responsible Socially so we can get, get back to hockey. Speaking of the governor and sports, though, the <laughs> governor floated a brilliant idea. She put out her, her plan blueprint for opening schools. 
great. Looks great. Kind of has different benchmarks you got to hit for different things. But then while she was doing her press conference, floated this brilliant idea, I'm being kind of sarcastic, of swapping sports seasons around. And the example she gave was swapping football and track, moving track and field to the fall and football to the spring. No. That caused a lot of chatter among coaching ranks and sport parents and people who have nothing to do with either. The folks who really don't know the sports are just kind of armchair, like, oh, I played high school football, but they don't have kids. Like, yeah, why not? It's like, think this through. At face value, that doesn't really work well because if you're only going to mix and match certain sports, you end up with track and cross country in the same season. And especially amongst the smaller schools, those are the same kids. Exactly. So MHSAA, the high school association, which is independent of the actual state government, Mm -hmm. came out and said, okay, first off, we're not going to do piecemeal mix and match that. If we do any swapping, and this is definitely not plan A, they want everyone to play their sport in season. They've got other plans, but we've discussed it. But if we got to do any swapping, we're going to swap the entire season. So all the spring sports and all the fall sports. In some ways, that's good because we didn't get a track season. It's true. But at the same time, my I've got sprinters who run cross country, and they've been doing cross country training exactly all summer, not sprint workouts, not field event workouts. The other thing that concerns me is if we're going to do cross country in the spring, that means we're coming off of winter and basketball and snow and everything, and you can't really do distance running and Cross country, you know, it really takes a month and a half, two months, three months, depending on the kid, to get in full race shape ready for the start of the season. You're not doing that in the heart of winter in Michigan. So they're not going to be, they're not going to have a quality season. I was just trying to picture a bunch of kids trying to run through like a weird freak snowstorm of a foot and a half of snow in the middle of a field somewhere. And think about it. We're going to do track and field which always starts in the miserable part of March in Michigan where it's cold and rainy and snowstorms, but we end in June and it works out great. Distance runners like the colder temperatures, but even then the longest distance we're going to run in track is two miles. Yeah. 3,200. And the sprinters love the warmer temperatures. The field event specialists like warmer temperatures. They don't like the cold. Well, now if we do track and field in the fall, we're going to end in November. It is... It's always cold when we go to the state finals for cross country. It's, you know, and you run the risk of snow and it, it could be cold rain, but you run the risk of snow and an ice storm and everything. So it's not optimal conditions for the track field athletes. At the same time for cross country, they like running in the cold more than they like running in the heat. They're going to be running in the heat for their state finals if we do it in the spring. They will be miserable. They will be miserable. So as a coach who coaches both track and cross country, I'd rather just say, Leave the seasons where they are. I would like you to leave the seasons where they are, too, because if your cross-country runners make it to state, that means we get to go to the sushi restaurant in the fall. Yeah, but if my track runners go to state, we go to Grand Rapids and usually end up at Founders. No, no. I know. It's not the same as the sushi Sushi place in Jackson, Michigan. Founders is great, but the sushi place is magical. I don't want to see any of it canceled. No. I don't want to see it canceled because of COVID. I don't want to see a resurgence of COVID. I don't want to get see it shut down. But from my perspective as a parent, because I got a kid running and she'll probably do both, 
but definitely as a coach who coaches both track and cross country, don't flop them around. Mm-mm. Leave them where they are. What's do cross country? Because I'm pretty sure the baseball players don't want to end their season in November either. <laughs> and do you really want to be playing your state tournament in football, worrying about heat stroke and everything, all the stuff they have to worry about in August? No. It's just going to goof everything up. Every or the kids have already suffered enough disruptions. It's it's sad that we missed spring sports. I coach spring sports. I'm heartbroken about it. But that let's not goof everything up going through. Now, if a sport is too risky. And I look, I get it. I coach. They Michigan has ranked the risk level for uh, Corona for the various sports, and I am in the low list, low risk categories for both sports I coach. But if we get to fall and you're a high risk sport, don't shut down all, all the sports. sports. Shut down the high risk sport. Sorry, football. Sorry, wrestling. Come winter, or find a way to do football so it's not so high risk. Flag football. Maybe get those little guys that vibrated that you wind up. <laughs> Foosball. <laughs> oh, it's soccer. I don't know. Uh, anyway, there's going to be a lot of discussion on that. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully I'm not frantically trying to switch gears to track and because kid one wants to be a sprinter and a high jumper and we right now are just. She does. Dis- yeah. Oh. Which is fine, but we're working on distance right now across <laughs> country. Um. Hopefully they don't shut everything down. I think that would be. The worst. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to talk about this more. Mm-hmm. But for now, we push on. Both in life and with this episode. Yay! For our main feature tonight, we're going to call this one... Getting in the groove and staying in it. This is all about establishing good habits to set the stage for success. And, and when we talk about setting the stage, in episode 17, if you listened in on that one, the building your performance plan, what we're all, everything we're going to talk about here is what you would call antecedents. What we call the antecedents in that. If you're from the technical background, they are antecedents. Yep. We're setting up uh, things to set the stage for the actions, the behaviors you want to do. We're going to dive deep into that in relation to racing, training, your diet. Getting up, being active, being healthy can be hard for some people. And because it's hard, many people won't stick with it. And just look at your New Year's resolutions. That's, it's the same now, sort of thing. Like by a month and a half, everybody's done? Usually, some people, it's a half a day. <laughs> So with these steps, these setting the stage, these antecedents, what they do is they grease the wheels. They make doing the right thing easier for you. And let's face it, people like to do things that are easier for them. Mm -hmm. It's just natural human behavior. So let's do that. Let's grease those wheels. Let's make it easier to turn it over a new leaf. So it all kind of falls into the old saying, failing to plan is planning to fail. That doesn't mean you... Do all this stuff, this all this planning. It doesn't mean you can't be spontaneous. It doesn't mean you can't improvise. It just means you have a base plan. If you deviate from that, great. And if you kind of hit a dead end, it's like, well, you got something to fall back on. But if you wake up in the morning, you don't have a plan. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> you waste so much time. Well, what are we going to do today? What are you going to work out? Doing? How are we do? I don't know. I don't know. Let's just sit here all day. It drives people nuts. Uh, and it's not very productive. 
So this is all about getting organized. And we talked about before, being organized is not a personality disorder. It is not. It's not a genetic trait. It's a learned behavior. Anyone can learn it. And by getting organized, you're more efficient with your time. So you have more time to goof off and have fun. Right. And you get everything knocked out. Now, all this information we're about to present, it's going to be a lot. And if you're doing none of it, it's going to be overwhelming. So how about this? If you're doing none of it, if you can come away with one tip that you apply to your life, to your racing, to your training, to your diet, it's a win. Go with it. You can pick up more than one. Awesome. All the better. But don't feel like, oh, I can't do all of it. So it's just too much. I'm not going to do it. Just find one piece and add it. A wise man once said, do what you're doing right now and just change one thing. So that's it. Keep on doing what you're doing and change one thing or maybe two. And with that, here we go. So to start off, how do we set the stage for training? Well, for me, first off, in general, I set a basic plan at the start of the week. And it's not specific like, oh, at this time I'm going to do that and it's on my calendar. I, I used to do that. But right now I stay more flexible. I need to get these things done on these days or this is when I want to do it. Uh, it's just a general idea based on the schedule and availability and forecast. So if I know I have a bunch of meetings in the afternoon, I need to work out in the morning that day. If I have a busy morning at work or things I have to get done on the computer, I'm going to do these at night. Oh, it's going to rain. You know, it's going to rain all day Saturday, but it's sunny Sunday. Okay, I'm going to plan on kayaking or biking on Sunday outdoors. Saturday, I'll get on the treadmill. It's just kind of mapping out, all right, this is when I think I'm going to do what? When I'm making my plans, I also like to set up some implied pressure to perform. Uh, one of the ways of doing this is I make plans with others to add kind of a social contingency to show up. When I say I'm going to be there for a group run or a group ride or let's go kayaking together or even just promising the kids like, hey, we're going to go to this lake. I'm going to kayak and the rest of the family's going to fish. Mm-hmm. And we'll trade around and everything. I want to follow through on that. I don't want to be the dad that fails to do that. Or I don't want to be saying, yes, I will be there to run with you. This isn't like a social thing where it's like, well, maybe I'll swing by the brewery and say hi to everybody. It's like, no, like if we're meeting to go run at 9 a.m., I will be there at 9 a.m. Another way of setting up this implied pressure uh, is knowing that I have to turn in my totals to the Red Arrow Challenge and also right now the... Uh, the school side of coaching the summer racing club that adds pressure to perform because I know it's going to be publicly posted. So I need to put something up. I don't want to have all zero. So I've got to get these things done. So I've got to find a way to fit them into my busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Ditto for discussing it on progress on the podcast. Cause I don't want to get on these recordings and go, yeah, I did nothing. Yeah. It kind of sucks having to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of, uh, just that nagging Italian grandma over your shoulder like, oh, why didn't you do anything this week? To add to that, if you have like a, I have a mama's group and we set up a contingency where we text each other every single day after we've worked out. And it is a huge deal because after I send a text and say, I did my swimming for today, I get five text messages back saying, great job, Jess, you did it. You're amazing. You're a rock star. And that is awesome. But at the same time, do you ever get ones where you don't do anything? They're like, are you still alive? Yes. Oh, okay. Well that. And, um, I mean, usually in our group, we have to specifically ask each other to do that. Otherwise people just sort of let it go for a couple days. But if you go more than three days without exercising, 
you'll start to get the random, hey, are you okay? Did you get hurt again? Or what's what's going on? Everything good in your family? Messages. And that's kind of, I don't like being called out. It's embarrassing. So, yeah. Yeah. It works. You know what also fits some of this also is just seeing the the uh, number on the scale in the morning and mm-hmm. knowing that yeah, if I'm not working out, it's going to go up and how that makes me feel. Now, this whole, the actual pressure to perform and the escaping out of all that pressure, if you're into behavioral psychology and behavior analysis and you're a behavior nerd, you know that part's actually a consequence. But setting it up, setting up that those things are there are antecedents. Mm-hmm. So, and like, I know we're trying not to be technical with our our podcast, but that's just what they are in case someone's curious. <laughs> uh, along with the other things of just setting it all up, uh, the family, our family, because we're all active in doing things, uh, we have a whiteboard for totals. and It's just a standard dry erase board. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it was left behind the, the previous owners of the house, so it had a it few was. scratches in it. So I took uh, colored electrical tape. And made a grid on it. We've got our names on the left and across the top. It's the days of the week. And everybody can write in what they did. Because otherwise, we get to the end of the week and it's time to put in everything for the Red Arrow Challenge and the Summer Racing Club. And it's like, and what did you do on Tuesday? Because that feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> for kid number three or kid number one, what did you do on Thursday? It's like, we don't know. We don't know. So we, we look at the board. Well, the board is up in the living room, not far from the main TV in the house. And it's just there staring at you. It's a reminder that everyone's got to work out. And kid number one is always like, what can I write down for you? It's like, yeah, I haven't done anything yet. Maybe I should go down that right now. <laughs> so those are kind of the general setups. Now, specific to certain exercises, running, I do have multiple pairs of running shoes. Probably not too shocking for a track and cross-country coach. Nope. But for I do have indoor shoes for when I'm on the treadmill because I don't want my outdoor ones that are the treads are all full of rocks and dirt and everything. I don't want them messing up our treadmill. So I've got an indoor only pair of running shoes. They are right next to the treadmill along with wrist rate, wrist weights. That is not easy to see, say when you've been having a fine whiskey like this. <laughs> uh, but the wrist weights, because sometimes if I don't want to run, uh, I'll walk with wrist weights on. Occasionally I will put them on when I do a jog on the treadmill. They're there. It's also near our yoga mat, our dumbbells. We have a little chalk easel, a little kid easel for when we do core exercises too. Kid one does it for her goalie stuff. The other kids are doing it too where we're doing planking and a few other things. And they do it for time. They break out their little iPods and tablets and they time each other. And so they've got their PRs on that thing. But they're all in the same area. So they're right there ready to go. When I go outdoor running, my... Outdoor running shoes are lined up on the door, heading out towards the garage and the great outdoors. Things I wear when I go outdoor running, my uh, road ID, which is, if you haven't seen these things, they're little bracelets where you can put your personal information, maybe a little motivational message. But if you get hit by a car or you pass out or heat exhaustion or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's got your emergency medical information and contact info. You do not have to have some sort of heart condition or health condition to have these. It's just good to have because you never know. And especially like me, sometimes because we have four kids, sometimes you're at home with the the kids and I go off to a race. Yeah. So I don't have a support crew there. Most of the time you guys are there. Sometimes they're too early and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to that one. Sorry. Uh, but my road ID bracelet, 
uh, my headband, my running sunglasses. Yes, I'm nerdy enough that I have sunglasses specifically for running. Uh, all this stuff is together on a shelf near the door. So I just grab that. Uh, it's also near where I keep my wallet too, so I can the car keys. So I can grab everything, put my shoes on, head out to the garage. I'm out, either out for a run straight out of the house or I'm in the car heading to wherever I'm going. For biking workouts, uh, in terms of storage, in the winter, uh, my bike and your bike hang from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. In the summer, though, we have them parked near the front garage door, ready to roll, open up the garage door, pull the bikes out, all set. And it's right next to the tire pump for easy access because mine, I pump it up every time right before I go. I get the high-pressure tires. My helmet hangs right off my handlebars. My gloves are strapped right to the helmet. And my bike shoes are in a chair right next to the door to the garage because I've got clip-in shoes. So that's all set up. It's easy. And that's the key here is set it up. Easy, so I can just sit down, put on my shoes, grab my bike, pump it up, and go. Swimming, it's the same sort of thing. My goggles, uh, my sidewalk chalk for when marking off every time we've done 100 meters, they're all on a shelf on the way out to the pool. For kayaking, it's kind of like biking. In the winter, we store it on a rack high on the garage wall, out of the way. But in the summer, it sits right on the garage floor, right between the cars. The life jackets hang on a hook on the garage wall. My gloves, because I have paddle gloves to make sure I don't get blisters since mm-hmm. I like the kayak a lot. Those are on a D-ring hanging off of my life jacket. And the pa- my paddle, and I've got one with a carbon fiber shaft to lighten it up, is right underneath my life jacket. So it's just there. I go in, grab the life jacket, grab the paddles, throw them in, and then I can grab the kayak and put it on the rack on top of my car. Skating and hockey, all my gear is in the garage, ready to go. It's the same thing. I go right down like an assembly line, load it up, and go, depending on what the activity is. As for you, Jess? It's, I mean, it's basically the same thing. Um, For me, with regards to running, if I'm going to run, I like to do it first thing in the morning and get it out of the way. So I'll actually put my running clothes out the night before and put them on my bathroom counter because right after I roll out of bed, I go to the bathroom. And then if my clothes are there on the counter, I can see them real quick, grab them and think to myself, okay, there's my clothes. I need to put them on. I'll throw them on really fast, get the socks on. And then I'm already dressed. I might as well just go and get on the treadmill and get it over with. And just like you. And for people who haven't tuned into the other episodes, Jess hates running. hate running with a passion. Anyways. Um, and just like you, my shoes are down by the treadmill. Sometimes I keep extra socks down there in case I don't have them in the bathroom. Always have backups handy. I keep a water bottle down in the basement that I can, that is usually filled up with water. Um, so everything, everything is where it should be for me to get things done. For biking, again, pretty much the same as you. I have a camelback that I wear, so that hangs from my handlebars as well. It's a prompt for me to take it inside, fill it up with ice water. Put it on my back and then I can go grab my back. My bike can hit the road. I also keep my sunglasses in their case inside of my helmet that hangs from my handlebars. And that way I'm not like digging through four different purses trying to find my sunglasses so I can go ride my bike. Sometimes that can take a while. Um, and you only wear the, that one set when you're biking. Yeah, it's just just for biking. They're the, pink. They're not as fashionable as your normal sunglasses when you're out and about. They are not cat eye sunglasses. No. It's a little bit heartbreaking. That's okay. These ones are pink and they're shiny. So, anyways, uh, swimming. The only thing I can think of to add to it is that 
when we're coming out of our bedroom, we have to walk right past the towel closet, and that's where the beach towels are. So you have to say, all right, I need a towel, open it up, grab a towel, go down, grab the goggles and the chalk on the way out the door to go do laps. For me, I know that you talked about the whiteboard that our family has, which is true. We do have that. I also have my own individual behavior plan that I've been working on. And I keep a copy of the behavior plan in a binder on my desk. It's right in the middle of my desk so I can see it every day. It's easily accessible. And I also have extra printed data sheets in there. Um, and your your main desk is kind of at the nexus point, the main node of the entire house. Right. So I have to walk by the intersection like 50,000 times a day. Intersection between the living room and the kitchen and heading into the garage right. and the playroom and everything, the entryway, everything kind of just crisscrosses right at your main floor desk. But the really important part is that I keep my data sheet for my exercising on the refrigerator right at eye height. So Your eye height. My eye height. It's not at your eye height. Not at the kid's oh, eye height. No, they don't need to see it either. Um but it's, it's, well, it's kind of my height. I just don't pay attention to it. It's like, anyways, it's there, and I see it every single time I go into the kitchen. And if I haven't filled it out, then I think, oh, right, I have to exercise because right on my data sheet, I can see how many minutes of TV I am up to that I've earned. It's a cumulative behavior plan, so each day builds on the previous day, um, and I don't want to lose that TV time. So it keeps me motivated. It keeps me thinking, yes. I'm going to exercise. All right, Marco. So what do you do for races in general? Well, in general, uh, both of our vehicles have cargo bars, roof rails, roof racks up on top. When we travel with bikes for triathlons or just bike-only events, uh, we usually travel with them on top of the vehicle. Although if we have no kids, we can put all the seats down in either vehicle and get both of our bikes inside. That isn't often, though. No. <laughs> When traveling with the kayak uh, for kai tries, uh, it also goes on top of either vehicle. And actually, uh, especially if we're doing a kai try, we only have the one kayak, mm -hmm. but we can get the kayak rack with the kayak and two bike racks up on the rails of either your vehicle or my vehicle. Mm -hmm. Gets crowded up there, but we can get them up there. And for accessing those racks, because you know, they're larger vehicles, I've got this, uh, it's kind of a collapsible platform. And you can buy these on Amazon or the hardware store. They're really often used for drywall or wallpapering. And it's just a few feet high and the legs swing in. It's not even a ladder because it's just a step up, but it's a platform. So unlike a ladder where you're stuck in one spot, I've got about three feet, three to four feet where I can move laterally along it, which is enough to get from one part of the kayak rack to the other, one mountain to the other. Mm -hmm. So that there makes it easier. And what we've talked about before is the easier it is, the more often you're going to do it. When we go to races, we keep a few things in the car to also make things easier. Uh, for the roof rack systems in a Rubbermaid-like container, I think it's a knockoff brand or something. But we've got a, a plastic see-through container inside are all the straps for the, uh, the bike racks, the kayak rack. We've got zip ties, cable ties, whatever you want to call them. We have scissors to cut those off once we put them on. We've got any relevant tools we need, uh, the right-sized Allen wrenches to do adjustments to those racks, screwdrivers, uh, just, you know, real basic stuff. I also keep my, my bike tools in there in case I've got to do any quick repairs on the bicycles. Mm -hmm. Our bike racks have locks on them. I like to keep a set of keys in this little plastic box. 
along with flashlights, uh, because like we'll talk about later, there's sometimes you're loading in the dark or unloading in the dark. I also keep a waterproof uh, flotation housing for my phone, um, even though it, my phone is supposedly waterproof. And even though I've got it supposedly a wa- waterproof housing, the thing's going to sink. It's going to sink fast. And if I'm out kayaking, and especially if I'm out there tracking my progress with my phone, or I've got it out there for emergency purposes for just because I'm training, mm-hmm. uh, I don't usually take it with me on a race. It's nice to have an extra uh, waterproof uh, flotation device for it. And then I keep spare parts in this uh, Rubbermaid-like container. Bike inner tubes and extra screws and bolts and whatever else I need. In the car, we also keep a first aid kit, a very well-stocked first aid kit. Lots of band-aids. And then we've got a back compartment in both vehicles, a little cubby where we stick uh, sunblock and bug spray, which that's not just for um, racing. That's because we also have kids. And they don't like being eaten by bugs. Nope. They hate it. I don't blame them. When we're doing a traditional try, a swim bike run, or usually in your case, a swim bike mm-hmm. across the finish line. Uh, for me, I don't wear a tri suit. I haven't gotten that far yet. Part of it was, uh, you know, having been fat, I just wasn't comfortable putting on the tri suit. Don't blame you. Uh, I would do it either in bike shorts and then throw on a shirt after the swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would do it as swimsuit uh, jammers, not the Speedo. Definitely not board shorts, but just the, the tight shorts. And then throw, I've got uh, some bike shorts that fit over the top. They're mountain biking style, so I throw bike shorts over the top at transition. If I'm wearing a wetsuit, whether it's a shorty or a full wetsuit, uh, I can either wear bike shorts underneath it, or I, if I have jammers underneath the wetsuit, I can then throw uh, bike shorts right over the top of the jammers. Obviously not getting naked in transition. And not messing around with a towel over the top. <laughs> Some people do. Yeah, eventually I'll transition to a full tri suit now that I'm losing weight and looking better and less self conscious about it. Uh, but I don't do traditional tries that often anymore because I really love the kayak tries, the kayak triathlons, the kayak bike runs. They're fun. And when I'm doing a kayak try, I usually hop right in the kayak right off the bat, already wearing my bike shorts, and that's. If it's a warm day, uh, I'm wearing those shorts, and I've got uh, probably a shirt on, probably the whatever I'm going to wear for the bike. If it's a colder Kai try, and some of these in the morning are a little bit chilly, even if the water's warm for the swimmers, it can be chilly up on the kayak. So I do have several uh, layers I can put on. I've got a paddling jacket and pants, splash pants that are water-resistant. But my base layers that I'm going to do the rest of my racing in are underneath it, so I can peel them off. Depending on the terrain heading in and the type of start, if it's a water start, that's one thing. But sometimes these, you got to start on the beach, run to your kayak and get in. Some of these, when you get out of your kayak, you you might have a little bit of a trail run to do to get up to transition. So depending on the terrain, I might go barefoot or I might wear waterproof uh, sport sandals. Uh, the kind that have like the rubber piece that goes up over your toe. To give you a little bit more traction, protect your foot, but also they're not waterlogged. Uh, I've even done ones where I've worn older running shoes, especially the freestyle, the natural feel that really isn't much there, just to protect my feet from puncture or rough terrain coming in and out of the water, just in case there's a stick or a rock or something there. And then in terms of setting everything up, my kayak is 12 feet long. So it's not something I'm just tossing it over my shoulder and carrying it around. So I have a little caddy. Uh, it's got a little sling with big air-filled wheels and a strap that goes around so uh, I can 
put that on one end. I can grab uh, the straps on the other on the front end and just carry it uh, and drag it around, and works great. So I always have that with me too to make life easy. So that was kind of in general. Uh, and then I think we broke this up into look, you know, the, how far away we're traveling for these. Yeah. So for local races, uh, this is kind of how I get organized, and hopefully this helps some people too. The night before, I lay everything in a line, just an assembly line, ready to go. The clothes, any warm-ups going to wear, and I, if necessary. Now, if it's hot in the middle of summer, you don't need any. But it's going to be a little chilly in the morning. The sweatshirt, sweatpants, whatever. My wallet, my watch, and I want it charged up, man. The watch being my Fitbit. My road ID, my water bottle filled with ice water. Or just water if it's the night before. I uh, lay out my shoes, my socks, uh, the breakfast bar I'm going to have in the morning. And if I'm planning to run with my phone, an armband to put my phone in. Although I've really moved away from having the phone and the headphones and everything and just kind of well, got... you can't wear headphones when you're racing anyway, so... Well, when you do 5Ks, you can. But when you're doing... Uh, when you're doing yeah, point, triathlons yeah. and whatnot, they will not allow that you stuff. Know. And that's also kind of led to that. And also just getting... Bet, you know, more in better shape and more comfortable with it. I just don't, you know, need the quarter mile feedback with music constantly. It's just, I'll wait for my Fitbit to, or I'll look at it and like, oh, I've got them. I've gone to two miles, got a mile more to go, you know, or we've gone five miles or whatever. Anything getting packed in the car, I load that the night before. Uh, I put my sunglasses on the dash. Um, Cycling shoes, bike helmets, swim goggles, towels, five-gallon buckets. Some triathlons let you have a five-gallon bucket, which makes it easy to carry all your stuff in triathlon or into transition. And also gives you a seat to sit on when you're changing. Larger ones don't allow it. I have uh, a fun so, story about that in a minute. Yeah. So check with your triathlon. But uh, it is, I like it when you have it. I like the bucket, too. I attach my cycling gloves to my bike helmet. Uh, sometimes I also attach my cycling shoes straight to uh, my bike, especially since they're Velcro. Oh, that's nice. If you watch the top athletes, they will run with their bike coming out of transition, and as soon as they get to mount up, they hop in and they slip their feet right into their shoes already attached to the pedals. Oh. I'm trying to do that. I'm not totally proficient at doing that yet. You have to practice in the yard. Well, that's why I got my clip-in shoes for my bike. I also got ones that have a little bit of tread and I can run in. Hmm. Also, the night before, I'm going to pack uh, backup shoes, backup sunglasses. Just, you know, you don't want your whole race day ruined because something broke or you didn't, you forgot something. Or you sat on your sunglasses or your kids were playing with them and broke them. I'm also going to throw any post-race clothes in the car. Uh, if we're going somewhere and I don't want to wear spandex or little short, short running shorts or whatever they have in the event. You don't. Now, for the local races, that's not, you know, we're, a lot of times that's not necessarily the case, especially if it's nearby. I'm just going to come home and take a shower and then we can go out. Mm -hmm. But maybe. Depends. And then if it's a place I'm not familiar with or I need to bring confirmation papers or registration or anything, I'm going to throw that up on the dash or in the glove compartment the night before. If the kids are going the night before, we're going to lay out their clothes, we're going to pack snacks, and we're going to load strollers. Before bed, I'm going to take a shower, and then I'm going to set my alarms on my phone, plural, multiple <laughs> alarms. The get-up alarm, the, like, no, seriously get-up alarm, the you got to be done with breakfast alarm, the get in the car alarm the you better be pulling out of the driveway alarm just every step of the way i mean that's just how i operate 
The morning of, I get up, I load my bike if necessary, if it's a bike race. I don't load my bike the night before because I can't get the bike, I can't get the car out of the garage with the bike on it, and I don't want to leave it out in the driveway like that. Uh, I have breakfast and coffee, I get dressed, uh, the base layer is whatever I'm racing in, and then I go. Now, I didn't get into the kayak because we don't have any local kayak races. And by local, I mean within like 20 minutes of the house. Right. For local races, I like to do the pack-up. Uh, pick up in advance and that way when it's available that way i don't have to stand in line i avoid all the chaos in the morning i can just show up and i'm ready to go i've got my bib and whatever else i need post-race like i said before i'm most likely uh going home or i'm enjoying the post-race festivities at the site so there's no need to shower before enjoying those uh and if we're going out i'm gonna go home and get cleaned up there so easy peasy just what about you with local races the ones that are within like 20 minutes of the house I mean, I married a guy who's super into organizations, so he takes care of most of this for me. Well, that's super that's helpful. one way. Um, so you're saying if someone's out there and they didn't marry somebody like that, divorce and go find somebody new? For sure you should do that. Oh, no, my God. Do that. no. That's ridiculous. Follow this plan and you'll be all set. Um, for me, I, I mean, I basically do the exact same thing. I lay out everything. The night before, I'll pack my bag or I'll pack my bucket full of all of my stuff. So I've got my armband in there. I've got my sunglasses. I've got goggles. I've got an extra um, swim cap because I do aqua bikes and triathlons. Well, and also the armband because while most of the races you do don't allow you to have headphones and music, you still race with your phone to track your progress. I do. And your speed and your time and everything. Yeah. I use RunKeeper to keep track of my my progress well and your fitbit that. doesn't have gps like mine no and the readout on it is much smaller which is harder to do when you got sweat i can't read it in the sunlight anyways i cannot see the screen um so it's really of no use to me other than keeping a log of like how far i went for the day um and your heart rate later yeah and it's it's waterproof one which is excellent for when i'm swimming but i can't see it so i really need to have my phone with me to show me where i'm at as well as to give me <laughs> I need the motivation. I need that little guy from Boston telling me that I'm doing a great job and making my mom proud. Let's go get some donuts. Yes. Yeah. So let's go to Dunkin'. It's really or important yeah. to me. I need it. Um, so that's why I have my armband. And then on my bike, on my bike, I always have my uh, phone holder attached to my handlebars. Anyways, but so that, I pack. And that my, becomes your dash, pretty much. Yeah. So. All of that gets packed up the night before. Um, I do, I, I wear a tri-suit, so I will actually throw in a shirt to wear on top for when I'm doing the run portion of a triathlon or a chi-tri, just because I am a little bit self-conscious and I know that I'm going to be one of the last runners to come in and everybody's going to be staring at me, so I, I feel more comfy with a shirt on. On top of my tri suit, but that's only the run part because when you do, the, you do the bike, you don't wear that. I don't have a shirt on for. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm <not> covered. <laughs> you don't have a shirt over your tri suit, right? During the bike portion, and obviously for this one, I don't even think they'd let you in the water with a shirt on on top. Um, <sighs> who knows? Uh, but uh, and your tri suit's black, so it's flattering. It's yeah, it's it's fine. It's just a self conscious thing for when I'm running and yeah. It's it's fine. Anyways, um, let's see. Here's the thing. When I coach and I tell the kids, and, you know, I got middle schoolers and high schoolers. And it's not 
Some people are out there going to think, oh, it's just the girls. No, seriously, the boys are super, more self-conscious Everybody's than the girls. Everybody's self-conscious about their bodies. Everybody is. I'm willing to bet it's the boys more than the girls that are self-conscious. It's interesting. Because I'm a psychologist, so I'm kind of like going, okay, you're making a face. Not not for actual triathlons. Men no. seem awfully proud of themselves. Yeah, let me finish the story. Oh, okay. For the high schoolers and middle schoolers I work with, okay, when it comes to uniforms... <laughs> And having the guns out, because these are kind of, you know, there's not a lot there to a uniform for track cross country. They're young. But uh, I always tell them, if you want a bigger size, because they are kind of spandexy for the, um, if you want a bigger, baggier size, Mm -hmm. fine. If you want a tight, skin tight one, fine. I don't care. I care about, do we conform to the uniform regulations on logo size and colors and do they match and everything? In terms of the fit, don't care. As long as it's functional and you're comfortable, cool. Because if you're not thinking about, if you're thinking about your uniform mm-hmm. and what you're wearing, you're not thinking about things like where's the competitor, what's my pace, how's my breathing going, what's my stride like, although you know how are my arms going, right? All those things you need to think about. So same thing here. Wear whatever makes you comfortable, mm-hmm. so you can focus on how's my breathing, where am I going, are my eyes right, how's my form? Yeah, I don't. And that's where I was going with this. Is yes, the a lot of the guys who do triathlons are like, let me run in a little banana hammock and well, show off all the muscles. To be and fair, they're very fit, so they, they are very well fit. show off. Um, good for them. Yeah. Um. Anyways, with with the packing, I do actually like to double up on things like goggles and swim hats and um socks and things Definitely like socks. that. Hair ties. Hair ties are huge. I always have my hair in a ponytail or a bun or something when I'm racing. And sometimes hair ties break. And I can tell you that if my hair to my one hair tie broke in the middle of a race, I would lose my shit and I would not be able to finish because I have long hair. It would be flying all over the place and be wet and stringy and in my mouth. And Have you ever seen bonkers. the outer pocket of my coaching bag? No. Like not the team bag, but like my, I've got hair, a bag of hair ties in there. Good. You should. Yeah, I don't have enough hair for a. You don't. But, but I the have. Girls do. I coach boys and girls, and I know uh, they're not going to perform well if the hair's going everywhere, if the wind's blowing, and they're coming down the back straightaway, and they can't see anything because they look like, was it cousin it or the thing, whatever the one from the Adams family. <laughs> it's like hair ties, so I carry I carry extra hair ties. Yeah, so I really hate being sticky. But my second most hated thing is to have like hair in my mouth or just somewhere on my person where I cannot easily pull it off. And I would not be able to focus with my hair down during a race. Um, so always with the extra hair ties. And the same thing with swim goggles. Those are really important if you're doing a triathlon or an aqua bike. If your one pair of goggles breaks, you're screwed. Now, to be fair, you're not going in the water with multiple pairs. You're no, just no. showing up to the site with multiple pairs in case, yeah. like, it just but, broke in the car I mean, or something fell over uh-huh. on it. A pair of goggles that are three years old the elastic wears out on them right. so if that happened to happen right before a race we have children what if one of them steps on them yeah that too um extra socks because you know sometimes you got to take care of your feet you, your water bottle might break or my camel bag my camelback might explode and drench my bag or my bucket your first step out of the car is into a puddle that would be upsetting that's not a good way to start no. a race <laughs> Um, let's see. I bring extra clothing for if we decide to go out. Um, mine usually has an extra pair of shorts, uh, extra shirt, and then 
You mean you underwear. don't want to you don't want to go out to a bar or a restaurant in a tri suit? I don't because it's wet and it's sweaty and it's gross. But um, it's also like if, skin tight. If you're a girl and you're doing a triathlon and you've never done one before, you're gonna need to bring underwear. So make sure you pack your undies and you pack your bra so that you can put them on underneath of your regular clothes because you you don't probably want to be in a restaurant without your underwear on. <laughs> Just a hunch. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I don't Whatever know. you like, do it. Um, I like to have underwear on. <laughs> okay. To each their own. I'm reminded of what was that? Like no, the, but it's an important. I'm thinking of that Florida Town Hall that video that's been making the rounds, where the woman's like, "I don't wear a mask for the same reason I don't wear underwear. You gotta let that breathe." Right. Yeah. Maybe so not in a restaurant though. Maybe not in a restaurant after a triathlon. Yeah. But still, that's what came to mind. Mm-hmm. Probably, so, probably should, you know, in the age of Rona, wear a mask. But we haven't been to an in-person race in the age of Rona. They're all canceled. Yeah, Can't. I know. Every time we keep trying to go to one, they cancel. Let's see. My morning of, I get up. I also have multiple alarms set on my phone. I get up. I will assist with loading the bike. I'm pretty wimpy, so I can't lift my bike. Your bike's heavy. My bike is freakishly heavy. Um, I will not have breakfast or coffee because I have a... Um, a delicate stomach and i will be sick if i eat before a race uh, and I'm and usually the race option if you need to go pre-race because maybe you have a runner's bladder out there or something are porter johns which are <laughs> disgusting in I, my case i know like i know coffee is a diuretic and it doesn't affect me the same way it affects you i know right. that i need to have some or i can't function as a human and i definitely can't drive the car i can because I'm just so... Ugh. I and can I'm function without it for a couple of hours. So I know that I'm going to be okay. I do make sure that in my post-race bag, I pack headache medicine. Because I know that I haven't had coffee. And I've had a whole bunch of adrenaline pumping through me for a couple of hours. I know that I am always going to have a headache about an hour after I finish a race. And if we're going out to lunch or to dinner or something afterwards, I don't want to deal with that headache. So I make sure I take my headache medicine and I can take some of those right after I finish and all will be fine in my world. Yeah, and it's important to be fine in your world because if this is something that's miserable and you're in pain right. afterwards and it's just not fun. Look, something about races, a lot of times when you do these races and let's just go with running races, like this is miserable, I can't believe I'm doing this. this, that's the normal routine and then you cross the finish line like that wasn't so bad and like before you're in the car you're already signing up for the next one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the normal routine. But if you've got a headache that then persists for the rest of your entire day, making your full day miserable, Mm -hmm. you're not going to want to repeat it. You want this to be something that once you cross the finish line, you can't wait to do the next one and do it a little bit better. Yep. Okay, so that was local races. How about destination races? So we're talking day trip here. These are ones that you can get up, drive to, do the race, and be home, and actually probably be home at lunch, after lunch, mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. So not too far from home. This is probably the bulk of our races we do, especially in the terms of triathlons This is and Kai tries. This is the bulk of our races and aqua bikes. 5Ks, we tend to stay a little bit closer to home for the most part. I'll venture a little bit farther from home, and some of my 5Ks fall into this category too, especially when I'm going into Chicago. Uh, it's a, it's a, usually a one-day deal. Sometimes we get into the next category, which are the overnighters. But 
for the most part, it's the same as the day tripper. So everything we've already talked about, but a few changes are the night before, I'm going to load the kayak on the car because this is where all my kayak races are. Uh, I will load the kayak on the car hat and the kayak will sit out in the driveway because the odds that someone's going to steal my kayak in our neighborhood are pretty low. Uh, my kayak is only a small, is cheaper than my bike yep. by quite a bit. Yep. I can afford to replace the kayak much more easily than replacing my bike. I load my paddle and my life jacket in the car the night before. And then again, of course, my paddling gloves are attached to my jacket. Uh, if you don't have a set of these, get, uh, they call them sailor gloves, maritime gloves. I've got fingerless gloves, but they're kind of like your bike gloves, but I've just got a lot of grip all across the palm. So it helps block blisters on when I'm paddling, especially when you're trying to go pull and go fast for mm -hmm. speed. But also, when things get wet, it gives me extra grip on the paddle, on everything. So that's really all I have to extra. I have to add the night before. The morning of, I get up extra early to build in time in case we run into construction and delays, or we get lost, or there's bad directions on the tail end of the route, or they don't really fully explain the parking situation. Usually, that translates to getting up at 4 a.m. for us. The kids love that. Full sarcasm. <laughs> Uh, but then after that, it's the it's the same morning routine as a local race. For the triathlons and the Kai tries, I like to check in and be placing everything in transition 60 minutes or more before my race. So I can calm myself, work on my breathing, do warm-ups, stretch, all that. If I'm doing a 5K or 10K, I like to be through check-in, if I have to do that, if I haven't done pre-check-in. Uh, and... Uh, 30 minutes or more before my race so I again I can kind of look around and see what's going on if they have set starting corrals and get the right corral but I also can do a full warm-up and get my body ready to perform so I don't pull anything or get hurt I realize a lot of my younger runners think they can just spring out of bed and take off running that's how you get hurt especially when you're my age that's how you get hurt so I need to do warm-ups and then post-race, in addition to everything we talked about before, uh, there's a very good chance we're going out to eat before we get in the car and head home. Uh, or even in cases, sometimes in the Chicago races, I've gone and caught the train heading home, the commuter train. So I got to plan accordingly, uh, and especially if I'm wearing clothes for a triathlon or a bicycle race, I'm probably going to want real clothes. Yeah. Because if we're, we're at the race site, everybody's dressed like that. It's fine. But if we're going to go into town or we're going to go downtown, I don't want to wear the spandex all day that's damp and everything. Um, even if it's just throw on a t-shirt and a pair of running shorts, mm -hmm. whatever, something I can change quickly in a Porter John or in the car in the back with the tinted windows, <laughs> something. Jess, what about you for these day trippers? I, mean, I do pretty much the exact same thing that you do. I will say that when we first started doing these races, we did not do all of this. And I'm thinking specifically about my very first aqua bike. First one you actually did, or the first one you were signed no, up for? No, the first one I was signed up for. Um, we, I don't something weird happened with the alarms, and they didn't go off. So we woke up late. Well, they were already, in hindsight, they were already set too late as it was. They were. We figured an hour tops to get all of the kids dressed, and me fed, and ready to go and you caffeinated and all well, the stuff put on top of the We didn't understand what it was to set up transition for a triathlon nope. or an aqua bike yet. So we figured it was like a 5K. You you needed 
20, 30 minutes before your race, if we hit the site, we're fine. Unload the bike. Well, you, we figured you go to registration, I'd unload the bike, and we'd be good to go. We didn't realize that for that one, transition was a half mile from registration. Yes. And it was just a hot mess. Ever. Anyways, so we, you know, we were late to begin with, and we didn't have all of this stuff already pre-packed, so I was running around the house like a chicken with my head cut off trying to find all my stuff, finally get everything together, hop in the car, the kids are miserable in the car, we get, it took, what, like an hour to get to the actual place? Yeah. Um, for the race, we finally get there, then we have to deal with parking, and that was a nightmare, and then we discovered... That registration is so far away from transition, and I think my bike tires needed to be pumped up or something. Well, and everybody was heading to transition, so you took off the transition a half mile away, only to get there and realize, oh, wait, you got to go back to registration to get your... Yeah. Because if you didn't have a bib and you didn't have a timing chip, they weren't letting you into registration, so you had to go a half mile back. Yep. You go to registration, and by the time you get to registration at that point, they had closed registration because it was now 20 minutes before the race starts. Yep, I got there, and the guy said, you're supposed to be down on the beach getting your pre-race uh, talking to. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, nope, you can't. You can't register right now. You're, you're done. You can't do it. And I was like, no, no, I have to do it. And he goes, nope, you're you're done. And I was like, well, okay. Didn't That's even give you your T-shirt for signing up. wouldn't give me my T-shirt, and I was pretty annoyed. I'm still annoyed by that. I mean, yeah, I understand that no finisher medal. Well, actually, sure. that, that one didn't even have a finisher medal, did it? No, that race does not no, have a finish. But it wouldn't all. even give you the T-shirt that went with the. I think that was like a hundred dollar registration fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a huge disappointment, and all of that could have not happened had we have actually been organized and had a plan in place and been ready to go for it. We have gotten much better at this for sure. So that was destination day trip races. How about? destination overnight stay races well these are fun and we've actually done these with the kids and without kids we've mm-hmm. done this like out in the middle of nowhere we've done it in downtown chicago yep it's definitely more fun without the kids for the overnight in the hotel room because you always have somebody who's upset or won't sleep won't sleep or runs up in the bed and then like <laughs> sleeping sideways in the bed between us slapping us both in the face but, <laughs> oh life is fun parents so, all right, starting out, it's the same as the previous, you know, the destination race, most of which is the same as the local races. The night before we leave, uh, I'm going to pack my bag or my suitcase. Uh, I'm going to lay out my travel clothes. I'm going to pack my race clothes, my post-race clothes, any extra clothes, depending on how long we're there. Uh, any towels for the actual race, if I need them now, a 5K or 10K, probably don't need one, but a triathlon, you're going to need something at transition. So I got to pack my beach towels for that because you can't take the hotel towels. <laughs> they don't work as well either. <laughs> and of course, remember your toiletries, remember your power cords and chargers. You don't want to get there and find out your iPhone's dead or your Fitbit's dead or Apple Watch or whatever is dead. So you got to load all those things. So that's the night before you leave. The night before your race, once you're on site, my bike I store in my hotel room or locked inside my vehicle, not strapped to the top, even though my bike rack has a lock. Look, the, they've got all like the mess with it. I either put it inside our vehicles mm-hmm. or I take it up into the hotel room. And if it's inside my vehicle, I keep it covered. I throw like a big beach towel over the top of it. I definitely don't leave my bike in transition overnight. Even if they have security, I'm not leaving it overnight. And part of that, too, is is it going to rain overnight? Who knows? We live in the Midwest. It's unpredictable weather. 
There's always all that nice layer of uh, dew over everything too in the morning. I don't want all my you know, my bike and everything being all wet and having to be wiped down too. So I take it and I keep it either inside the vehicle covered up and hidden, but most often in the hotel room with me. The kayak, on the other hand, uh, the kayak I'll leave on the rack on my car because again, it's hard for somebody to walk off one of these. I will also leave it at transition if there's security at transition. If there's not security, I'm not leaving it down at transition okay. overnight. I feel safer with it on top of my car because most people aren't going to be able to throw this 12-foot kayak into their vehicle and take off with it, <laughs> especially getting it off the top of my car. Bit of advice, take it easy on the pre-race night festivities. Yep. Don't be hitting hard. I've heard, I mean, I've seen people hit it too hard. I've heard stories of doing doing it too hard. Uh, I had a fellow hockey dad who was telling me his story about he and some siblings were, and friends were doing a race and the night before, and one of them was big into doing <laughs> races and had trained and trained and trained, and, they, and he hadn't. So basically said for every beer he drank, he got five minutes off his time and they wagered money on who could win, whether his adjusted time or not. And then when it was all said and done, he found out that he, if he had one more beer, he would have had enough of time credits to have beaten his brother. That's so funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, he was feeling miserable. Take it easy if you, you know, celebrate afterwards. And then adjust your morning alarms to give yourself more time to set up warm up uh you're in a strange place um to get where you need to go leave yourself a buffer better to have more time than you need than less the morning of is basically the same uh it's great if you can pick a hotel or a campsite because some of these are camping destinations near the start or the transition or wherever you need to be post race showering before you hit the road is the best in my opinion uh, when setting your reservation, what I like to do is request a late checkout, uh, 2, 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. That way, uh, these races are in the morning, even a full triathlon. You get up super early, you do your race, you enjoy your post-race festivities. There's A lot of these have are sponsored by breweries or distilleries or wineries or something, and so they have beverages, but they have food and waffles and burritos and what have you, and it's great. Go, enjoy your food, explore the area. if. And if needed, you get that post-race nap, you come down from your runner's high, you enjoy the evening, you have some cocktails, you have a great dinner, then you get up in the morning and you go home. That way you're not driving super exhausted after a triathlon. Because, you know, you don't want to do a triathlon or a 5K or a 10K and then immediately hop in the car and have to drive 8, 10, 12 hours. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to have a car accident. Very good way. Do your race, come back, have a shower, take a nap, go enjoy the area, have a nice dinner. Enjoy the nightlife, and then in the morning, go home. Jess, anything you want to add on the destination trips? Yeah, um, so some races will have sort of a pre-race clinic, and it's this really cool thing where a seasoned pro will actually walk you through that race's um, itinerary and what you can expect, and just it's a step-by-step -step introduction to what exactly is going to be happening during the race the day of. Would you recommend that just for the newbies? Or how about the, if you've done several of these? So I'm, I'm going to talk about the Neighborville race that I did last year with my friend. And I, I, she, she called me and she said, I think we should go do this thing. And I was like, no, 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 we don't need to go and do that. I've done tons of these. We'll, we'll be fine. I can walk you through. And she goes, 
No, I think for me, since this is my very first triathlon, I've never done one before, I want to go and listen to what this guy has to say. And I said, okay, fine, no big deal. We'll get there. We'll get into town really early. We'll go do packet pickup, and then we'll go to the park, and we'll go listen to what this guy has to say. And so we went, and he told us all of this information, and it was honestly mind-blowing because it was things that I hadn't even thought of. Um, for racing in general or specific to that race? Specific to that race. So well, that's was, actually awesome. Though. Yeah, so he was actually, we were in the park that um, transition was going to be taking place and where the swim was going to be taking place, and so he was actually pointing things out, and we could see the location and see sort of where the bikes needed to go and where the swim was going to happen and where we were going to put our things. Um, so that was very helpful. Also helpful were his tips about parking and getting to the site really early in the morning because my friend and I didn't realize just how big this race was, but he clued us into that and was like, yeah, you actually need to get here at about five o'clock in the morning so you can find a parking spot at least a mile uh, close enough, uh, at least a mile away from transition so you can come in, put your bikes up, and get your registration. So that was Didn't he have that some was useful, but the news about the five-gallon bucket yes, for you? Yes, he did. So he was talking about transition and what to put in your bag, and he kept saying the word bag, and I was like, hmm, that's weird. And Bags my friend, don't make for very nice seats. No, and my friend looked at me, she's like, bag. And I said, yeah, I'm going to ask him. So I put my hand up and asked him, and I was like, what if you have a bucket? And he stopped and he looked at me and he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know, your transition bucket. You put your towels in it, you put your goggles in it, you put your your this and that in it, and you can use it as a seat. And he just started laughing and he goes, I have done so many triathlons and I have never once seen a person with a bucket. And I was like, okay, well, okay, I've done um, tons of triathlons and seen plenty of buckets. And aqua bikes and every single one has had a bucket. And so half of the people, it was funny, there, it was a big crowd, and half of the people were like, yeah, you have a bag. And the other half was like, yeah, you have a bucket. So he said, look, this race has thousands of people in it. There is no room for a bucket. You need to have a small bag. And I flipped out, and I looked at my friend, and I was like, dude, we got to go to the store. And she goes, yeah, we got to find a store. And so we actually, we stayed for some more of the meeting and learn some more valuable valuable information about the race and what to expect. But then when we were done, as soon as we got into the car, my friend was on our phone going, Sturry, where is the nearest target? And directions came up and we hightailed it to that target. And so we spent about, I don't know, maybe an hour in target looking at various backpacks and shoulder bags and whatever. And we both eventually found this, um, wonderful little fake leather backpack that had a pretty large main compartment and then it had individual compartments for things like hair ties and goggles and swim caps and all those goodies but the point is is that we wouldn't have known any of this if we hadn't gone to that pre-race information meeting so I'm thrilled that we went to it and I, for sure, will make a point of going to future ones at other races that I'm not familiar with. Just because it would have been horrible to roll up to this race with a giant bucket full of my stuff and not have any place to put it. Because the man was right. The bikes were, like, bike to bike on the racks. There, handlebar to handlebar? Yeah. There was literally nowhere to put... I mean, it was hard putting a backpack in, in my tiny little bike spot. There was there was no room for a bucket at all. You know what this is making me think of when um, so we well you grew up all over 
Yeah. But you got your driver's license in Michigan. I did. When you were 16. And then we've lived in the south, but then we went out and we lived out east in the D.C. area for a while. And the parking spaces are really tiny out there. We were away from Michigan for a while. And we came back and the first thing we noticed was, wow, when you go to the grocery store or the mall or whatever, the parking spots are so large. The space between the painted lines in the parking lot. And it must be that just when we race in Michigan, Midwest type, well, Chicago and Naperville, Illinois Midwest, but... <laughs> Uh, we're used to those. They just give you more space, room to breathe, and transition, and you get there, and it's like, nope. Maybe it's because everybody that's doing Naperville is so very fit. They only need a tiny little space. Maybe it's because they're cramming you all in in that tight space. Because aren't you? Isn't the swim portion portion in a uh, quarry? It is. It's actually really cool. They put you in in waves, and you get to pick your own uh, starting starting waves. So if you're a really amazing swimmer, you want to be out in front. And if you're a not-so-great swimmer, you want to be way in the back. Um, and that way, you're, you're with your um, skill set, your peers that are in your same skill set. Yeah. your pace. Yeah. So, so they hold up big placards. Like, when you go to races, a lot of times they'll hold up a big placard, and it says what your, your mile time is for running races. Yeah. Were they doing that for swim? They were at first. And then once people actually started... So yeah, there's the people who have no idea, and they go, you, like, you look at somebody like... <laughs> Dude, you're wearing a ducky like inner tube. Okay, so get out of the top that's tier. That's another thing that um, the pre-race men talked about. My, I had told my friend that it was totally fine to wear one of the um, flotation belts because she is feeling a little bit nervous. What well, was her first swim. one too? Right, and at the other aqua bikes and triathlons that we've been to, having the flotation device has been allowed. So you could either have, especially the... with the newbies, they mm-hmm. don't. If you're up with the elite ones, they wear one. They're like, oh, no, 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 go to the back. Right. So I told her, you know, the kind with the bubble that floats behind you is fine, or just the the belt, the flotation belt yeah. is fine. And so while we were there, she raised her hand and she asked about it, and he started laughing and said, absolutely not. And I was like, no. Of course, we. No, no, I'm sure. We hadn't done a quarry before. True. Um, and so, especially some of ours have been in Lake Michigan, which is, it's an inland sea. We um we got to the race that morning and I had convinced her, no, no, I'm sure it's fine. You can bring your bubble. It's it's going to be fine. And she gets, we get down to the quarry and it's we're ready like to line up. like inflatable arm floaties that little kids wear. No! The, you know, the orange bubble that sort of floats by. Any, anyways. She um, hears this. She's going to kill me. For pretty much. <laughs> oh. To be fair, I was the one that sent her the links for the stuff going, hey, because right. she's like, so she, here she, you go, it's for this. We get down there, and she's, she's We've got seen her bubble. Of I posted a picture on Instagram of you <laughs> get lined up for a race to go in there are and tons. swim. There's, like, every other woman's wearing, like... Right, it's it's fine. And, I'm, by the way, I'm not picking on the ladies. It was an all-women's race. All the participants were women. There are at other races there so are men So every other participant was wearing a flotation device. Yes, but at the other races, there are men that wear the bubbles, too, and yes. it's totally fine. Um, I wore it for my first triathlon. You did. Comfort level is important. But, so she brought this thing down to the quarry, and there are tons of volunteers, and one of them saw it and was like, no, 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 you cannot have it. And she goes, yes, I, I would like to bring this into the pool. No triathlon for you. Help me feel more secure in the water. I've never done this before. And they said, well, that's too bad. You can't take that in the water. So I said, okay, we'll go back up to your bike. It's going to be fine. Oh, those Illinois people. Maybe it's just the Illinois people. Maybe. We're going to alienate all our Illinois listeners. So, in fairness to the guy that was running the pre-race training, he did tell us, and I just chose not to listen to him. My friend was not too pleased, but it happens. Um, so Is yeah. she an Illinois person by birth? I actually don't. I think so. I'm not sure. I don't know. 
She lived there. She did live there. She met her husband there. Yeah. Um, so I, we, she and I went out of town for this race and we actually had a hotel room and, and we did the late checkout and it was glorious to be able to finish the race, have the snacks at the end of the race, take silly selfies, get the medals. And then um, come back to the room and take that post-race shower. Get some of the medals. Uh, well, yeah. Because you guys took off because you figured neither of you got awards. And then we end up getting this package in the mail. First, we got a confirmation letter going, you've got a package coming. I'm like, what, what did we order? And then it shows up and it's super heavy. And it's your medal for placing in your, you know, yeah. the under 40. Okay, but I didn't think I was going to do that. that. That was surprising. That was surprising. Um, Actually, I was tracking you online. There were a lot of people. But they were posting live tracking, and so I was tracking you online from back here in Michigan, Mm -hmm. going, Jessica, you're third place in your, (laughs) for zero to 39. Well, yay me! Um, But it it was was very... The wine was calling your name and her name. Yeah, and we had a drive that we, we wanted to make sure we got back to the hotel room so we could take that shower, get all cleaned up, Get our stuff packed up because we went to Target and we bought stuff. And then <laughs> get in the car. We wanted. Luckily, to... you had a bag to put it in. Right. We wanted to stop. We knew we wanted to stop for lunch. So we factored that into our travel time. And we were able to do everything that we wanted to do. And we had a great little girls weekend. And it's lots of fun. With a race. With a race. And we both did really well. Now, if you just talk some of your friends into not. Well, the destination one is fun. Yeah. But also the destination within driving distance because we've got an all-women's triathlon most summers. I don't know about the summer. Right now, supposedly, it's going to happen about an hour away from us. I didn't sign up for that one this year, though. I know. Well, it, it was disappointing last year. I know. That's... I have a feeling it's going to be disappointing this year, too, because yeah. it's probably going to get probably canceled. Probably get canceled. No, if it had... Or if... locked back down because I feel like we're kind of heading that I way. I mean, if it had gone well last year, then I would have highly recommended it to everyone, but it didn't, so I... Maybe maybe we'll try it again it. next year. We'll see. We'll think about it. Think about it. Mm. I don't know. If you're nice to your racers, they'll be hugely loyal to you. Absolutely. And if you're not too great to repeat customers... They'll find other races, or in this year. I mean, this year is an anomaly. This year is a weird, yeah. Let's move on to hockey. I... Yes, let's move on to hockey. I don't can know we move I... on to playing hockey, please? No. Oh. I don't have a whole lot to say about hockey, but maybe you can talk about the organization for hockey for you and the for The organization for hockey, USA hockey? No, mm-hmm. all of our hockey stuff. Our organization. Sorry, it's... have I mentioned that I really like this whiskey? <laughs> that they don't sponsor us, but this is one of my favorites. I play. Kid one plays as a skater, as a player. As a, she also plays as a goalie. To stay organized, her goalie gear, her player gear, two separate bags. Kid two plays, kid three plays, kid four hopes to play. And then I have got a spare pair of a set of gear that I lend out quite often. To play. And it's my, my gear I had when I was in college. And when I, I first got back into hockey after my 16-year hiatus of being fat. Too fat to get any of the pads. Remember in Virginia, we're like, I mean, I'll try this stuff on. I couldn't get my hockey pants past my knees. Now those hockey pants are so big that I can't even wear them with suspenders. No, I don't remember. Oh, it's a sad day. 
So uh, I had a lot of scrap lumber around the house and went to the hardware store and picked up a little bit more. And I built these benches in our garage up against the wall, put storage underneath, the bags go on top. We already had hooks on the wall to hang and dry the equipment. When it's time to go, for me as a player, I go out in the garage and I just pull my gear off the racks or off the hooks. Most of the equipment has little loops on it. Put it right in my bag, put it in my car, and I'm all set. One big assembly line, I'm out the door. My primary sticks go in a stick bag. I have, it has a loop, it goes over my shoulder. It can hold five to six sticks. I do not go to the rink with five to six sticks in my bag. I go with three sticks. In case I have a really bad night and break some, because they do break. You know what? And I always like to have at least two on the bench and I have one in the locker room. Because sometimes you're just not feeling it and yeah. Blame the equipment. It's never the human. Blame the equipment. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they have slightly different flex and they have a little bit different curvature to it and different weights. And sometimes I just want to go with the other's feel. So I take three sticks. I take three sticks. And (laughs) I said it the first time. All right. I take three sticks. Two go with me to the bench. One's the emergency backup in the locker room. And the rest are all in the garage. I have a vented zippered pouch that I put in my bag to keep small items like tape and whatnot from getting lost all over my bag. And they're in the kids' bags, too. Yes, they have too. my favorite thing that you've ever done with the bag. And I've got scissors and tools and spare screws and spare parts for in case my hockey helmet breaks or something on my skate breaks. Spare laces. They're all in that little bag. When I get home, I pull my bag out. I put it on the bench. I open it up and I hang up my gear to air dry even have a big fan in the garage to air the stuff out. So that way I'm not the stinky guy on the bench. I'm not saying it's the best smelling stuff on the bench. <laughs> uh, but it's better than average. Better than the high school guys who just... I will say that I am extremely happy with the way your hockey gear smells because it does not smell rancid. No, so I don't... Congrats there, I don't Marco. finish playing. Seal it and let it ferment. <sighs> Get home, open up my bag, pull it up. Now, the soft stuff, my, my socks, my jersey, my base layers, the Under Armour stuff I wear underneath, grab all that stuff. And as I walk into the house, the first thing I see when I open the house door is the washing machine. You usually have it empty for me, so I can just throw it right in. I don't want to smell that stuff. It's in my best interest to keep it empty it for works. you. <laughs> when, we're being, when I'm being a hockey dad and you're being a hockey mom, we've got a system, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of the hockey bags has a bag tag that has the kid's face on it. You can get these online. Uh, what is it like Shutterfly and all those offer specials on them and they're, they're metal and you put your photos on it. Makes life easier. The kid's face is on it, has contact info and stuff on it. The bag's never lost. As we mentioned, kid one is a goalie. Her goalie bag has her face in her goalie helmet. Mm-hmm. Her skater bag has her as a player. Mm-hmm. So we can't goof it up. <laughs> their sticks are color-coded by tape color. Now, obviously, when Kid One's being a goalie, the goalie stick is a different shape. Yes. But even then, all the, the tape on the stick matches the color on the kid's laces. Even mine match. Mine, my, you know, my laces are red, and the stick on the butt end of my sticks are all red. They are? Yeah. Thanks for paying attention, Kid. <laughs> Never noticed that before. Well, the button, I also usually have a hand over it, too. Kid one, when she's a skater, has hot pink laces and hot pink tape. When she's a goalie, she has neon green laces on her skates and neon green tape on her stick. 
she also figured this out is P equals player, G for goalie equals green. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Our kid's brilliant. Kid two has blue tape on his stick and blue laces. Kid three has yellow laces and yellow tape. Kid four doesn't play yet. She's just trying to figure out how to skate, but she does have a stick and it has hot pink tape. <laughs> but her stick is also so much smaller that there's no mistaking that it's kid four's stick. Super tape. Spare like wooden sticks in the garage in case you want to play or somebody wants to shoot it because we do have a net in our garage too to practice on. Mm-hmm. Ones that are not my normal sticks have black tape. But easy peasy, it's just an assembly line and color-coded, and the kids got to pick out the colors. So they love it. Yeah, it helps them to be more responsible for their stuff, too. And when you're looking at an ice rink packed full of little kids, especially when they're at the Might, the U8 level, it's packed full of little kids. Parents are in their union uniforms. They match each other. Yeah, they got numbers, but they're so tiny. Sometimes those jerseys are so big, the numbers fold, and you can't read them. (laughs) Something identifying on your kid, like the color of their tape on their stick and their laces help you identify your kid also when they do drills where they all throw their sticks in a pile mm-hmm. you're going to want something other than just black tape yep or black laces or white laces right we got a friend who puts neon green racing stripes on their kid's helmet say that. i was gonna say we have a friend who puts the neon tape on their helmet so they can say yep there's my kid with most, the green most of the kids are either wearing black helmets actually most of the kids are wearing black helmets the second most popular is white helmets and then everything else is rare to see so you know kid two who wears a blue helmet yep. not a lot of kids around here wear blue helmets there's a few but not many and definitely not in his age group. right kid uh kid one when she's a player she's got a black helmet but it's got like hot pink vents on it so that helps it find it plus she's got a red hair hanging out the back too so redheaded redheads are easy to spot kid three is difficult to spot because yellow there are other kids with yellow laces there Mm -hmm. but usually i have to just look for the smallest kid out there he is tiny although not so much anymore he's He's getting bigger he's getting bigger but and he's also usually though he's the small guy that's zipping around really fast yeah so that takes care of hockey. Maybe you can talk about how you're organized for coaching. Well, that's a podcast under itself. But how I get organized to go coach. Okay. We'll do that. Uh, first off, when I'm going to go coach, I write a agendas, which are these are plans or outlines uh, for every practice. And I write them usually on Sunday afternoons, Sunday evenings. This way I can easily switch gears from work mode into coaching mode. And when I'm making that switch, it's like a light switch. I don't have to show up and go, what the hell are we doing today? (laughs) And the kids aren't sitting there looking at me while I'm trying to figure it out. It's already done. I just grab the sheet of paper and go. They're right in my binder. Uh, I've got a coaching binder. And the kids can flip through them too. Like, what did we do a while back? And they're trying to keep up with their logs of what they've been doing. They can see they're right there. When I show up, I open it up. It's dated. Okay, this is what we're doing today. Some of them also used to like to... um, on Mondays, they'll go and they'll flip through like, what are we doing this week? And they know I can mix it up and change it, but they know that's the base program that, you know, if I don't make any changes, that's what we're doing. The agenda is taking into consideration the big picture for the team. Where are we at in the season? What's going on? It also looks at individual training development and what do we need to do. It keeps things from getting stale. It allows us to mix it up. And that's all kind of thinking and looking at things and looking at the schedule and looking at data for the kids and everything. that. It's difficult to do when you finish work, hop in your car, race to the school, get out, and you've got 30 to 40 kids just 
what are we doing today? What's going on? You know, asking you questions. You got the athletic department secretary, athletic director, like popping over with questions and things are going on and what do we need? And it's like, okay, let me grab my sheet of paper. I've got it. Because looking at the big picture is difficult in those situations, especially when, like, remember, I'm the only coach. Right. I don't have assistant coaches who can go, you handle the throwers, you handle the hurdlers, you handle the distance runners, and so on. I got them all. So to sit down and take a breath and go, hey, what is the big picture? I do that on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And that way I can go and I can tweak it if I need to. Every agenda has a backup plan in case of weather. Usually we're outside, but sometimes we got to be inside. And what are we going to do? I got a plan for that. When I get to the school, I take my agenda, I put it on my clipboard, and I set it on the window ledge right in the gym lobby. That also helps because one of my pet peeves is being asked a bazillion times, Coach, what are we doing today? It's right there. Especially like when you work with middle schoolers too, the same kid will ask you like three times before practice starts within like a five-minute span. It's like, it's right there, dude. <laughs> got to cover and that way but the nice part too it's not because i don't want to interact with my athletes i'd rather talk to them how are you feeling what are the issues what you know did you go to the trainer and get the leg issue looked at or things i'd rather talk about that how was your day at school i don't want to get asked oh, a bazillion times like what are we doing today just go look at that and then the other nice thing is i have in my binder i map out all my running routes especially for cross country in google earth i print off a map they're organized, they're in my binder, so they can look at what are we doing today, what routes are we running, what routes are they specifically running, and then they can flip through and look at the map and refresh their memory on what is that route. For the captains, they can go to the equipment room, especially in track, where we got to load up all our equipment, because our track, or at least the track we practice at, is two miles from the high school. So it's not like we're just going back into the equipment room for forget something. They'll look at the clipboard and it becomes a checklist. They go up to our equipment room and they grab whatever equipment we need for the day. Because I don't want to just haul everything there every day. Do we need the boys' shot puts, girls' shot puts? Do we need the college shot puts? Because we do practice with those. They, you know, it's four pounds heavier. Hmm. Batons, parachutes, mini hurdles, you know, our electric tape measure, the bungee for the high jump. What do we need? They go in the, what, how many starting blocks do we need? We bring our own starting blocks. They go get the equipment and the, they round up however many underclassmen to help carry it and they go load the cars. So that's the planning piece of it. Now, actually physically getting there, when I go coach, I like everything laid out. My keys to the school, my stopwatches, my binder, my clipboards are all in my coaching bag. My shoes, my clothes, and everything I lay out ahead of time. So I can grab my clothes grab my coaching bag, and go. I've got an alarm on my phone for when I need to stop working, and I have another alarm on my phone for when I need to be pulling out of the driveway to get there on time. I like there to be consistency for the kids, so I get there about the same time every day, and I've noticed if I get stuck, if there's traffic, if I get stuck with work, or if there's construction, or I get hung up with something, or like I get my car and realize, oh crap, I need gas, and I get gas. There have been days where like I'm one or two minutes late, and they're like, this I don't know what to do. Go where's coach? Because <laughs> I'm always, I always try to get there five minutes earlier than I tell them I'm going to be there. Yeah. So if I'm like two minutes later than I am normally there, or that I say I'm going to be there, they're like, this isn't like him. I do the same thing, especially when we have meets. Sometimes I have to leave earlier to go load the bus, uh, especially, and then we get Saturday cross country meets, set those alarms. Only once did that fail where the phone died. 
because the plug it was plugged in, but the plug wasn't plugged into the oh, wall. I away. remember. So my phone was completely dead, and I just woke up on my own. Like, why is my phone dead? Mm-hmm. Look over at your alarm clock, going, "Oh crap!" Yeah. Luckily, I had an awesome mom who stepped up because there has to be an adult on the bus in addition to the bus driver. So one of the moms rode the bus, and then mm-hmm. I hopped in my car. And because buses travel at the speed they do, and coaches who are late don't <laughs> travel at that speed. Plus, the bus driver was taking his decided not to follow his GPS and went his own route. I got there, and I had the tent too. So I got there, got the tent, and was on site standing there. When the bus pulled in the parking lot. That's hysterical. Yeah. It was not hysterical when it happened, though. No, but after all the years and all the meets and all the seasons I've coached, that's the only time. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Only time so far. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's basically track and cross country. But for hockey coaching, it's kind of the same. Now, I'm usually an assistant coach. I'm a bench coach. Uh, I do dry land stuff. I do motivation, strategy, logistics, drawing stuff up on the boards uh, in the locker room or in a classroom type setting. Uh, I, a lot of opening door, closing doors at this age, and I allowed to go over the boards. Uh, I haven't been in on-ice skills and drills role uh, the past several years. They've had some much more skilled players handling and skilled adults handling that stuff mm-hmm. and that's cool I'm not complaining but that what my role usually involves a lot of equipment in terms of i gotta bring my whiteboard mm-hmm. i got a little one that's it's mapped out it looks like a hockey rink so i do a lot of drawing uh i usually hit the bench with a, a rag hanging out of my back pocket and a couple dry erase markers in my pocket so i can draw stuff up for the kids because they a lot of them are visual learners yeah so drawing up they get it I also supply the, the, the game pucks and bring that supply. Um, actually, towards the end of the season, Mrs. Rink Manager hooked me up with some that needed to be retired. The supply, yes, but did. she just gave me a bunch, but I make sure I bring them and I have a, a bag that I throw them in. And what those are is we have one or two players are the player of the game to get the game puck, but I have it prepped. I, I put tape around the outside. I write what the game was, who was playing, and it says game puck on it. And it's just a special way, win or lose, to recognize the kids who did an outstanding effort. Mm-hmm. So my bag with the game pucks, uh, my dry erase markers, my rag, everything are right next to my whiteboard. Uh, that bag, that whiteboard, are in the garage by all the hockey gear on a hook near the door so I can grab those and go. If I need to be on the ice in a coaching capacity, I also have a backup helmet by my hockey gear that does not have a cage on it. I can also grab my skates. But it's more at this point in this episode, you kind of figured out it's more of the same. It's an assembly line. It's yeah. right down the line. So I don't have to think about it. So let's switch gears a little bit. We've talked about coaching. We've talked about racing. Let's talk about nutrition and diet. How do you stay organized for that? Well, we have a whiteboard right off the kitchen. And what you pass when you're entering and exiting the house from the garage. And it's right across from the main family calendar, too, which has all sorts of cute pictures that you put up on it. I do. Mm-hmm. But that's month by month. The whiteboard, we have it set up. We go week by week on that. So every Sunday I update it with significant activities for the week. And then I put down the menu for the week. And it's near the cookbooks, too, so I can figure it out. And really what I'm doing here is meal planning. And, and the meal plan factors in also what's going on. I mean, we got four kids. So any night that's a crazy busy night and we're going in all sorts of directions, it's not going to be an elaborate meal. No, usually that's a crock pot night or a 
rotisserie chicken from the grocery store, yes. the, the side door deli type thing. Mm-hmm. Because there's planning involved, it helps in avoiding repeat dishes. We don't have to listen to kids go, breakfast for dinner again for the third night in a row. <laughs> it's right, eat your bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your eggs. Pancakes. 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 Look, it's up on the wall. And kid two is a routine kid. Yes. Big time. He will go down and look, what are we having tonight? And he, it's kind of like the, um, what are we doing today, coach? Have you looked at the clipboard? That's how it was with him with dinner. If you looked at the board, now he just comes down and he loudly goes, what is gazpacho? <laughs> yeah. But he knows it's up there and it helps him. And while we do change it up, it's like, you know what? It's almost dinner time and I'm just not in the mood for that. I, such and such breweries doing burger night and they look delicious. Let's go do that. We mix it up and he's like, but that's not what the board says. Yeah. Well, I'm in the mood for something else. So it's okay to be flexible. But at least we got a plan. At least we're not getting the three, four, five, six o'clock going. What's dinner supposed to be? And then realizing, I don't know, because all the like all the proteins are frozen and everything's frozen and we can't make anything. And what are we going to do? And all the restaurants are full. <laughs> at least we have a plan. We know what we need to do. What needs to be thought? A lot of times we'll look at it and go around breakfast time. It's like, okay, tonight we're having we're having chicken. So let's start thawing some. The meal plan also gives us the opportunity to use leftovers. We can plan ahead, especially if we're doing something in the slow cooker, like, hey, we're going to do shredded chicken. Let's make enough for tacos tonight and shredded chicken sandwiches tomorrow or quesadillas tomorrow. Yeah. And, of course, I like to keep an eye on the weather. I don't want to be out working at the 600-degree pizza oven we have out in our yard <laughs> on a 90-degree or 100-degree day. You don't? No. Why not? Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we're not doing that this weekend when it's 90-some degree we days of high humidity. I don't want to be grilling out in a thunderstorm. Mm-mm. Actually, I don't want to be out operating the fryer in a rainstorm. Nope. And we probably don't want to be doing gazpacho, speaking of gazpacho, after coaching for hours out in the cold where I can't feel my fingers. Mmm, cold soup on a cold day. Oh, so we factor so nice. in. If it's going to be a cold day and we're busy, chilly. Yeah. Great option, especially on the weekends in the fall. I love coming home from a late season cross-country meet when it's cold and we got chilly. It's the best. The planning also allows for balance, even on a daily basis, for you and me, for the kids, you know, whatever, but... We do balance it out a little bit for them, but mainly for us, if we're going carb heavy for dinner, that tells us, all right, we need to kind of go lighter on the rest of the day so mm-hmm. we don't come out of this almost up. Fattier dinner? Well, then we're going to eat, quote unquote, cleaner throughout the day. Or with the fattier dinner, like, hey, let's grab some fruit with this. But especially early in the dinner, maybe we don't want to have too much fat. And I'm not just talking about in terms of like, Wow, that's the, the keto with all the fatty stuff. And I'm talking about, look, some dinners just are high in like steak with a nice fat or frying something, doing fried fish. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to have bacon for breakfast and some sort of sausage patty right. thing for lunch. It's like, you're going to die of a heart attack or something. <laughs> Balance it out. Have a salad. That's just our opinion. We're not nutritionists, nope. but that's how we do it. Having a high-calorie dinner, take it easier during the day. Balance it out through the day. Got to have a low-calorie dinner? Well, maybe you you need calories to function. So maybe have a heavier breakfast or a heavier lunch. Mm -hmm. 
Actually, we had that happen earlier this week where I looked at it and I'm like, that's a pretty late dinner. It's filling, but it doesn't have a lot of calories. It's going to need more to function. So front loaded the day with a little bit more calories for myself. But it's really all about balance. It's balance of, you know, those macros, the calories, what are you eating, and making sure you're not eating just the same thing every day. It's boring. It's boring for your body. It's boring for your taste buds. It's boring for your mind. Stimulate yourself. Planning also allows for putting together a good uh, shopping list. Sure, you can always, you know, have a plan when you go to the grocery store. You can mix it up based on availability or prices, but at least you're not there wandering aimlessly through the aisles going, what am I going to do? You might as well be like one of those like old people who are just in the middle of the aisle blocking everything. <laughs> I mean, there's a point where they take away the car keys. Take away the grocery cart? Yeah. Oh. It's rough. I'm going to get hate mail if they can figure out how to work the email. Their grandkids are going to teach them how. And of course, sunlight, you're just in the mood for something else. So fine. If you're in the mood for something else from the plan, change it. But at least you got a backup plan. It's better to say, let's do something else than to go, what the hell are we doing tonight? Yeah, I agree. Jess, what about you? I have found that having my meals planned out both for dinner and for lunches helps me to stay on on track in terms of my diet and in terms of waking. If I don't plan out my meals and I just do willy-nilly whatever sounds good, my diet is going out the window and I'm going to put on weight. So there is serious correlation between being planned and well thought out and weight loss. And that's important to me. Um, I can talk about, I can say for sure when we were planning out our lunches for the podcast we did a couple weeks ago, where we had all of our lunches done ahead of time. That was like last week, wasn't was it? Was it last week? Yeah. Like forever ago. That was hugely helpful for me in terms of getting that number finally to go down on the scale. Whereas before I was like, yeah, I'll just see what's in the fridge. What do we have left over from dinner the night before? Whatever. Um, if it's not planned out, I am more likely to just go ahead and grab something simple. Like I did today because we need to go to the grocery store and we didn't have leftovers from the night before. Nothing sounded good and I didn't have something on the board saying this is what you're having for lunch, Jessica. So I was like, yes, I am going to have ramen today. And, and you didn't want to break into the freezer out in the garage and start thawing things. Well, not for lunch. No. I don't have time to throw, thaw some chicken. It's not thawing in five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so for me, this this helps me to stay on track so that I can lose that weight and get down to where I want to be. Now, I'm sure there's somebody out there going, oh, this is just excessive and oh, I don't need to do all this stuff. To that, all I can say is kudos. You know, some people can wake up in the morning and hop out of bed and just roll off to a 5K, a 10K, a triathlon. Good for them. Most people will benefit by planning ahead and packing ahead. Some people can roll through life without planning out their meals, and they don't need to do all the calorie counting and macro counting like we do. Good for them. But in terms of menu planning and planning when they head to the grocery store and stuff, imagine just all this planning. Imagine how productive they would be if they did. Yeah. Kudos mm -hmm. for them, though, for like you know making it through life without a plan. Mm -hmm. Well, it works for us. Works for us, and we're sharing, and that's what this is all about, is sharing it. Sharing is caring. <laughs> so that helps us get in the groove. That was this main feature. Holy cow, we're running long, but we got to get to the Red Arrow Challenge. Red Arrow 
Mario Challenge! Okay, so the RAC update. Last week's champs. Swimming. 9 and under, Vivian, 10 to 19, Ronin runs, 20 to 29, Gator Boy was back on top of H. Kaner, 305. 30 to 39, Mrs. Coach, 40 to 49, try, try again. Uh, 50 to 59 year olds, we're afraid of the water? I guess. I guess. 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill. Running. 9 and under, Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Allie. 20 to 29, H. Keener 305. That was kind of fun this week, looking at the totals between H. Keener 305 and Gator Boy. They were back and forth. <laughs> 30 to 39 on the running was Abel. 40 to 49, Fernanda. 50 to 59, A.R. Miller. And nobody older than that was running. Walking. Nine and under was a tie. Owen B. and Will B. 10 to 19, Connor B. 20 to 29, Smytha. 30 to 39, Becky B. 40 to 49, Vino Mia. 50 to 59, J Mar. 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill. And 70 to 79, No No Don. Biking on road. Nine and under was Rowan C. 10 to 19 was Allie. 20 to 29, didn't bike on the roads. 30 to 39, Cyclopath. 40 to 49, El Tiburon 95. 50 to 59, A.R. Miller, and 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill. Biking off-road. 10 to 19 was Nina. 20 to 29 was a tie yet again between Smytha and Super Mario. No 30 to 39-year-olds, but 40 to 49, Cyclone. Sit down paddling. 20 to 29, Gator Boy. 30 to 39, Helmet 85. 40 to 49, Coach T. 50 to 59, A.R. Miller, and 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill. Stand up paddling. 20 to 29, H. Kaner, 305, beat out, Gator Boy. Ooh. 50 to 59, A.R. Miller, and 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill. Cross-country skiing. It was the usual, 40 to 49 was El Tiburon, 95, and 50 to 59, Big Juan, 64. Skating. 20 to 29, Gator Boy. 40 to 49, Great One. Hockey. Still insanely jealous of 40 to 49, Great One, who this week burned 814 calories playing hockey. Woohoo! 814 calories that I didn't get to burn because I didn't get to go play hockey. Mm, soon. Points! 9 and under, Owen B. 10 to 19, Nina. 20 to 29, Gator Boy. 30 to 39, Abel. 40 to 49, Try, try again. 50 to 59, A.R. Miller. 60 to 69, the notorious Kilogram Mill. 70 to 79, No No Don. 80 to 89, we don't have any members that old. And 90 and up, nobody in that category either. Featured members. There's two featured members. There's you and me. I swam, I ran, I kayaked, I won running and kayaking. And then there was you, you swam. I did. You won swimming between us. Yeah, I did. I swam. I'm pretty excited. My back still hurts, but I'm still under 200 pounds, so Sweet. that's exciting. Yep. Way to go. Thanks. I won on points. Good job. Thank you. How's your current week going? Good. I've been in the pool. Been 
busy with photography related things um and that is a huge time suck where i have to sit on a computer and photoshop all day long um but when i'm not doing that you I don't do. have a waterproof computer that you can do it in the pool sadly i don't that'd be amazing um but when i haven't been on the computer then i've been in the pool swimming with the kids or playing with the kids sometimes nice. i race you sometimes sometimes how's your week uh it's not that great this week been running with uh, kid one, mm-hmm. but we're not going super fast. And she's really working hard now. Now that she can run her full distance, we've been doing shorter distances, not the run, walk, run, walk for five miles. So my uh, my run totals aren't that great. I had, like I said before, I haven't been on my bike, but I've been getting plenty of swimming. So it's kind of interesting to see where it's go. In fact, right before we got on the podcast, I was out doing laps. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we got a few days left. We'll see how Fourth of July weekend goes. Whether it's more chillaxing or if it's working out, we'll see. We'll see. That one. How many times can we say we'll see? We'll see about that. That almost sounds like a screen name. We got a will be. <laughs> That's a recap of the Red Arrow Challenge. Check in next week to see who's on top. close up for this episode we got a few notes uh we have a fun lineup of episodes planned uh actually through the rest of the summer but especially in uh, july i'm really Mm -hmm. excited about these next week we're taking the show on the road and i don't just mean oh we're going out on our back deck we are going going into the world out into the world uh with other people and everything so it's not just you and me having a conversation we're New people. New people. So excited about that. We also have some changes coming to our website and also the Red Arrow Challenge. We're revamping and streamlining the website, making it easier, working with some of the constraints we have to work with our housing or hosting site. We're also moving from a subscription service. Uh, currently, if you want to join and do the Red Arrow Challenge, it's $10 a month. We're changing from that to an ad-driven so we can make the Red Arrow Challenge free to everybody. Yay! And then we get an ad revenue because, well, look, the good news is Red Arrow Challenge will be free. Bad news is ads, but hey, we got to pay some bills. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to have that done by the time this podcast posts because, look, people. It's a lot of work. I'm working on it. I don't think I can have it wrapped up in time. Fourth uh, of July and weekend. Yep. America. Happy birthday, America. We need some handbows. Yeah, we got some stuff to do. So uh, we'll be having fun. But that's coming down the pipeline in the next, uh, relatively soon, but it'll come out in July. We'll open this up a little bit wider for everybody. Speaking of 4th of July, this actual episode will post on the 5th of July. It will post on Sunday. We always post our new episodes on Sunday. For our American listeners, we want to wish you a fantastic and safe holiday weekend. If you're out on your bicycles, watch out for all those other people out there. Mm-hmm. Those who might be celebrating a little bit too hard. Drink responsibly, people. Bike responsibly, too. Also, happy birthday, America. Yes, happy birthday, America. All right, Jessica. It's been fun. We want to thank everyone for the first 375 downloads of our podcast and hopefully more to come thank you for listening in it's been fun fun. our next episode of the red arrow health and wellness podcast will be out next week but until then 
Bye. Bye.